Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to World Forge. Sam, how's it going? Hi. Hey, Piper. It's going really good. Awesome. I'm excited to be back here in the studio again. Yeah, me too, especially since we're talking about something that I am very passionate about. And I didn't really realize I was this into it until we brainstormed the idea. (laughs) And then I have been thinking about it all day long. Uh, But would you like to introduce our topic for this week? Yeah, this week we have a super fun topic that we are both really passionate about. We are talking about cowboys. Mm -hmm. And as people who are, you know, both obsessed with Westerns, Hell yeah. uh, this has been a topic that's been really, really <laughs> exciting for us. We've been really looking forward to this. I, I would say there's probably been, at least on my end, uh, more preparation uh, in terms of like, you know, kind of pre-planning and pre-brainstorming and stuff with this episode than any other episode I can think of. Really? Uh, Even though we honest. decided on this this morning? Yeah. I spent most <laughs> of my day thinking about this. And usually I spend about 30 seconds thinking about our episodes before we record. So Interesting. Uh, that's a that's a watermark <laughs> I'd say for, so. for me. <laughs> I also made a little sticky note of, of notes yeah. of things that I'm excited to talk about. Um, yes, and we'll be coming up with original uh, cowboy type characters. Yes. And I think um, what, what we kind of agreed on here is that uh, similar to what we've done in, in previous episodes, um, we will be kind of making opposing characters. So right off the top, we'll be deciding one of us will have sort of a black hat cowboy. And one uh, of us will be a white hat. will be a white hat cowboy. Yeah. And the so. cla- I mean, I think one of the things we're going to talk about a lot in this episode are is the fact that there are so many amazing tropes and iconic tropes yes. about a Western. And I think a Western is, is something... I think it's kind of unique in the sense that where it has its tropes, they like they rarely feel like cliches to me. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of they're more like staples. It's more like the thing you expect and you need to see in every single western or I, in a lot of westerns. I definitely agree and I, and I think a big part of that too is that um uh, we don't really see a lot of modern westerns. It's not a genre that comes up a lot in in cinema in 20 you know like every director kind of wants to make a western, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of the the biggest, grandest, like most, it's like a director's genre, right? Um, But it's not something that's as marketable. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while we'll get one. But a lot of Western tropes appear in other genres. That's right. Uh, You know, I I think there is a lot of really interesting conversation to be had about cowboys, quote unquote cowboys in other genres of film Mm -hmm. and in other sort of, uh, you know, pop culture spheres that yeah. I think is really, really cool. Well, I said to you earlier when we were chatting about this, um, I feel like for the D&D setting, uh, Cowboy is yeah. just a ranger, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But I also think you can make a strong argument for a, kind of a couple of different positions, you know? I mean, I, I think the most straightforward concept for a cowboy in, in D&D would be probably a ranger because it's sort of a ranged fighter. They spend a lot of time out in the woods traveling around, you know, setting up camp. They know how to track. They know how to hunt. Yeah. They know how to survive off the land. Those are all kind of classic cowboy traits. Mm-hmm. But 
there are a lot of thing, other things cowboys do, you know? I mean, you can you get into bar brawls and you're, you're, heavy, you're heavy drinking. I mean, that that kind of leans towards... A ranger towards, can drink as much as they want. Well, you can, but I think that leans towards, like, fighter or barbarian. I think you could definitely mm. you could definitely make an argument that a fighter or a barbarian could be an effective cowboy as well. And if you're looking at, like, a black hat cowboy, yeah. the bad guy, a rogue would be a perfect way to do it. You know, the, the smooth talking kind of handsome you know rakish bad yeah. guy who rolls into town dressed in all black and except for mm-hmm. his silver spurs yeah uh I, I think there would be some really interesting applications to a rogue archetype uh, as, as a cowboy as a gunslinger yeah i definitely see that i have a hard time getting behind a barbarian type for a cowboy i don't think that's quite i feel like a cow like a if we're talking about a, clou- a cowboy in a more kind of classic sense, mm-hmm. they do have that kind of reserved nature. He's the loner. He's the one who rides off into the sunset. It's rare that the cowboy, in at least in the, the main character type of cowboy, is rare that they're just sort of like a wild card who's going to bash anything that they see. Well, let me throw this one at you. Mad Dog Tannen. You're okay. That's a very good point. There you go. And it's a nice segue <laughs> into our section where we talk about some of our favorite yes. cowboy and Western yeah. things. Let's let's go ahead, Piper. You can start here. Tell me what your favorite example here is. Well, of, uh, I'm going to start cowboys. talking about Mad Dog Tannen because <laughs> I love Mad Dog Tannen so much. Um, yeah. One of my all-time favorite movies uh, from my childhood was definitely the third uh, yeah. Back to the Future movie. Don't sleep on it, you guys. Okay. People talk talk a a nasty game about that movie but it's definitely better than the second one in my opinion oh i just think it's so great and it was partially built up for me way before i ever saw it because my dad and i uh my dad is one of my all-time favorite people. He inter- he made me the cinema lover that I am. Shout out to Peter um, Cleavy. Hell yeah, P. Yeah. Cleavy, OG. Yeah. Um, but no, so he introduced me to, uh, I watched the Back to the Future movies with him, and we had it on this uh, on uh, VHS, mm-hmm. I think. And I remember at the end of the second movie, if you waited till after the credits, they had a preview for the third film. And uh, the movie would end, and dad would always say, he's like, I've never seen the third movie in this trilogy. And it had been out for like a couple of years. He had seen mm-hmm. the first and second, showed them to me, but never saw the third one. And we finally got our hands on it at like a blockbuster or something. And so then <laughs> we're, after we're really like dating, you know, for all of our young listeners who don't know what a VHS or a blockbuster is. Oh, you know, they do. Because the like 80s Netflix, are cool but it was now, a place Sam. You went to. You're, it's trending. Everyone knows what it's about. Uh, but no, so we we got it. We watched it. We fell in love with it. And it's actually I think I've watched the third uh, Back to the Future more than I've watched any of the other ones because it has it carries yeah. on the Back to the Future like its own tropes and things yeah. so well into this brand new setting that is so vastly different from the first and second, but it all feels so right. And I also feel it has more of the more of the kind of action adventure yes. uh, uh, kind of notes that mm-hmm. really strike a chord with, you know, with me as well, because I, I would say the same thing. That was probably the one that I watched the most as a kid, too, because I love the idea of the gun slinging and the and the you know the fighting and the and the insult slinging. I don't know. I, I thought that was really cool. It's riding, very good. Riding horses and shooting guns and stuff. It's so much fun. You can tell. I think that the entire cast of the sh- of the trilogy seemed to really dig the western setting. Yeah. I think they all really got into it. Absolutely. I think that's a really good example of you know, like I said, like all directors kind of want to do a western, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good example of how much fun westerns can be, and also how easily you can sort of overlay tropes from other genres yeah. onto this. You know, I mean, the Back to the Future 
in the entire series is built on, you know, they establish a bunch of jokes in the first one and they kind of just keep telling the same jokes over and over again because they're like, <laughs> hey, remember this one? And they like wink at you and they but, nudge you, like, oh, which is so fun. Like, I think they do a really a, good job of translating that to the yes, to the setting. Yes, they did that, like, here's that joke everyone loves, yeah. but they did it in a way that wasn't super obnoxious. Like, I can't stand no, totally. when movies nowadays, like, they bring back an old franchise from the 80s and they're like, here's that thing you love. It's not nearly as good, but remember yeah. this joke, kids? It's, and it's just like, God, even Ew, I hate you guys. Back to the Future 3 is the opposite of Ready Player One. It is. Basically, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Back <laughs> to the Future 3 is like the um, the comeback tour of like your favorite band playing yeah. all your favorite hits. Absolutely. Whereas like the remake of, I don't know, the Ghostbusters movie is your Uncle Charlie at Thanksgiving being like, hey, how about that R2-D3? Am I right? Yeah, and it's totally. just like, oh, stop. Totally. Please, please That's stop. Absolutely correct. Thank you. <laughs> I completely agree. Uh so yeah, Mad Dog Tannen, great. Uh, yes. But don't but don't call him that. No, but don't call him he Mad Dog. Like um, just uh, to elaborate for yeah. those who are not familiar with uh, Back to the Future, um, Biff Tannen, <laughs> who is the villain for, for all of our uh, nine-year-old listeners out there who haven't seen well, Back to the Future. In case you've slept in the third movie, um, Biff Tannen, who is our our villain who appears in in movies one and two, he yeah. we meet his ancestor, Mad Dog Tannen, yeah. Buford Tannen, Buford Tannen. Um, yeah. in the western, and he yes. that I think is where that actor really shines. I agree. I I think that's absolutely his best role. It's so because he just gets to go. Wild yes. And I think that's another thing that's really fun about about Westerns is that the villains are always so interesting. God, I think that is true. a genre where the vill- – you know, we talk about this on the show all the time, that the villains are always more interesting than the good guys, right? That's yes. not really insightful, you know. Um, but <laughs> the Western genre is a genre where – villains are such an important part of the world and the story and they really have a chance to shine yeah i think that's so much fun and so cool well so one thing about westerns like the entire genre it's kind of it's built around this idea of these polarizing forces that are always at war with one another and i think i mean we've got the white hat the black hat we've got the good guys the bad guys but there's also um, one of the things that stood out to me the most when I was in my my genre class in college and we were studying these different genres in film was the um, uh, there's an over like one of the most important characters in any Western is the setting itself. Yeah. And is nature. And there's always kind of this dichotomy between the wilderness and civilization. Civilization is always encroaching on the wild, wild west. Yeah. And the cowboys, the true uh, people of the West, are those people who are always running towards the horizon, who are looking for that wilderness that has been uncontaminated by civilization and the carpetbaggers who are following on their heels i agree and i and i i agree with the college course that you took that taught you about this thing (laughs) Um, no i i i think a really interesting aspect of the cowboy character you know whether they're the good guy or the bad guy right oftentimes the bad guys and these are kind of like the establishment or the government or like big business you know like some guy with money who comes in and wants to control everybody right Mm -hmm. the good guy characters especially in westerns i think are very interestingly often portrayed as sort of a character out of time you know they don't really they're not really a a part of the world in which they live they're always sort of old-fashioned they have these rules that apply to a, a different era, yes. you know, one that they're no longer a part of. Not everybody really understands their, you know, their old fashioned cowpoke uh, out on the range ways, you know. So they're, that's what elevates them and makes them the hero that can rise to the occasion because they're not like everybody else. Absolutely. Um, which I think is super cool. And, and also because, you know, because of that, like 
the conflict is sort of naturally built into that character because even the people that they would, you know, be allies with don't really understand them. Right. I think that puts them in a similar role as the villain, that they are not necessarily flawed, but mm-hmm. that they they are different. Yeah. Um, I think is a really, really cool thing to put into a character. So I think that's one thing that we see very clearly in another one of my favorite Westerns, which is Open Range. Uh, it's a Kevin Costner film. Yes. I love that movie. Yeah. I always put that movie on right when spring is starting to feel like summer. It's kind of the, um, like the, the cleansing of... Of the cold season for me is to get into that that beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, but the main character, one of his big issues is that um, he's always been uh, like a cow, a cowboy. They they drove these the cattle um, through the fields for people uh, across the land. And when they come to this town and he meets this woman and he's faced with this idea of like this temptation almost of settling down. Yeah. Um, and you know, I won't spoil it for you, uh, but this is kind of his, he's like, do I continue to do what I've always done? Uh, he comes, I think in his past, he did have a bit of that a yeah, taste they, of they, civilization. They, yeah, yeah. They, they always have like a distant past or something that, you know, either mm-hmm. they, they used to be a, an evil gunslinger. Or they used to, you know, they lived in a village and they ran away because the the romantic call of the West was, you know, too great for them. They, don't they were go back a yeah. soldier in the Civil War yeah, and exactly. decided to leave the bloodshed and seek yeah. the the pursuits of nature and and it kind of makes them their own worst enemy yeah a little bit that they're like uh, you know i i don't want this thing because i i'm i'm pulling myself away from it like even if you know even if i could settle down and fall in love with this woman Mm -hmm. like i'd i'm in love with with the West. I'm in love with being a cowboy. You exactly. Know? They kind of hold themselves back. Well, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about a classic cowboy character is that in the end, they're doomed to lose the thing that is what drives them. The West will always be one at some point. Yeah. It will always, someday, civilization will take over and there will be no more Wild West. Yeah. Um, West ultimate tragedy. I know. West. Yeah. Ooh. Goosebumps, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, I freaking love it. Okay, let's talk about a few more okay. examples yeah, before we yeah, dive yeah. into our thing. So I really wanted to talk about here. So I, I kind of wanted to take this in a little bit different of a direction and talk about cowboys that aren't in sort of the traditional cowboy setting, yeah. right? Um, I got one I, of those. I think there are so many really cool examples of this. Uh, one of the ones that I really wanted to talk about first here was uh, uh, Kembe from Seven Samurai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there is there's a really interesting conversation to be had, of, and this is not something that is my original thought at all. I mean, no. this is we like sort of an accepted thing. Class. Yeah, is that, that there there is a there's a parallel between like samurai films mm-hmm. and cowboy films. You know, samurai are kind of the Japanese cowboys and, mm-hmm. and cowboys are kind of the American version of the samurai. It's the same sort of thing where they, you know, cowboys, especially in, in like the late or, uh, samurai in sort of the late like samurai era, mm-hmm. often just kind of roam the wilderness, like masterless. They're in this sort of lawless land and they have to make their own way. And they, the classic do, Ronin. Exactly. And they don't really fit in in much the same way that a cowboy doesn't really fit mm-hmm. in. And often they are, you know, traveling around righting the wrongs of society or trying to find a place where they can settle down and fit in. Uh, and Kembe is kind of the perfect example of that in that movie. He's this, you know, old and wise samurai who's been around for, you know, all this time doing his samurai stuff, but he he's no longer a part of a system that allows him to keep living in that same way. He has to basically just live off of his own wits and his skill in a world that doesn't really enable you to do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. uh, Which is really, really cool. Uh, That's a, fantastic movie that fits into so many of this checks so many of the boxes of a, a classic western absolutely well for all of you who don't already know here is a uh, a classic bar trivia um t- trivia tip that will help you um seven samurai is what inspired the magnificent seven yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah. It's literally he saw that and he's like, I'm going to make that in my version, but only yeah. with cowboys. Um, another cool one that I want to talk about here. Uh, this also might not be like the deepest cut ever here, but Cowboy Bebop um, it is intentionally just kind of like a Western in space. You know, it, uh, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop yeah. is very much supposed to be this guy who he kind of plays by a different set of rules. And mm-hmm. he isn't he doesn't really feel attached to the world that he's in. He he kind of just roams around. He doesn't really settle down anywhere. They don't have a home. They're, they're just this kind of random band of ruffians who set up camp wherever they can until somebody drives them out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting sci-fi take on the genre. Like, Definitely. You, you can be a cowboy at any time. Uh, I was actually, so cool. yeah, I was actually thinking about that today myself is that uh, I feel like there are quite a few sci-fi films in which you get a group together that feels very much like a sort of like Western cast. And the one that came to my mind, I was thinking about um, with Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Star-Lord is 100%. He's a little too like city boy. I'm trying to be as cool as this gunslinger I once saw, like in my comic books or whatever. Like he's not quite like that hard rough guy. But if you told him he he reminded you of a cowboy, you know he would love that. Right. You know, he would be like, oh hell yeah, obviously that was what I was trying to do. (laughs) Yondu is the actual cowboy. Yeah, yeah, Yondu is the cowboy. Yeah, but the whole like all the Ravengers, their look, the way they're kind of like bounty hunters, that's kind of a a very much a Western setting. Totally. Sort of Trope. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I think another one that is kind of a more modern. T- I wanted to touch on like every era here, right? And like every genre. <laughs> I think a really cool kind of modern and uh, eccentric take on the cowboy would be Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. Oh, goodness. Um, oh, I lo- okay. So I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding uh, the, the last like week or so. Uh, I... It's no secret to those who know me that I'm a huge Kojima fanboy, right? At, at some point, eventually, I was going to talk about uh, a Kojima product at some point. But, um, I'm surprised you haven't already. I know. It really is kind of weird. You've probably mentioned at least once. I, 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 surely I have. Um, but uh, that uh, Revolver Ocelot is a Russian spy who is obsessed with the Wild West and cowboys. And instead of using, like, Russian spy equipment, he uses, you know, revolvers to fight. And in, in Metal Gear <laughs> Solid 3, there's this whole, like, crazy storyline, basically, about how, you know, he's just coming up and he wants to, you know, he he kind of shoots, like, a guy who's, like, a gunslinger, right? And Snake, Solid Snake, kind of roasts him. And he's like, you know, the way that you the way that you use your gun, that's more of a revolver trick. So the next time you see him, he's got a revolver and you beat him up again. And then you roast him <laughs> again. And he's like, you know, that revolver only has six shots. You should You should get... Uh, the Makarov, that is eight shots. And then the next time you see him again, he's got another. So he keeps kind of like evolving into this cowboy more. So and Snake kind of makes him the man that yeah, he, he is. Yeah, he kind of does make him the man that he that he is. Uh, and and eventually you, uh, I may have said Solid Snake, it's Big Boss actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, watch but, it, Sam. Uh, it's a sensitive timeline. One of the, just the wildest things I think I've seen in any piece of media is there's a part where you, it, it's after Revolver Ocelot kind of, be, you know, sort of comes into his cowboy aesthetic. Uh, you know, he wears like spurs during the cold. Cold War, like in walking around in like the forests of Russia during this game. It's so weird. But he has two revolvers, and while he's talking to you and monologuing, he's just constantly spinning around and doing weird gun tricks. And there's a bad guy in that game that has a, a power that he can control bees, and he sends a bunch of bees at him, and the way that he fights them off is he just spins his revolvers around and oh kills all the bees. Like it's so wild and so weird, but you know, it's just that a guy who's like, I just like cowboys. I just kinda this is an affectation. I just want to be a Russian cowboy. There you go. I think that's really cool cool I, I think we should enable people to be the cowboy that lives in their heart Hell is yeah. kind of what i'm saying here <laughs> <laughs> sam wait do your impression of uh ocelot's little meow oh oh yeah he goes yes yeah that's what he does yeah that, that's 
Because it's a direct quote. From nothing, Ken. nothing strikes fear into your enemy like you pretending to be a cat. Yeah, he's like the leader of a special a Russian special forces group, and that's how he summons his soldiers. Is he just it's meows into, meow. into the void? And basically. they're all just like, God, why do we follow this yeah, guy? They all show up with their machine guns while he's running around twirling his his pistols. It's amazing oh my goodness uh, i i really do strongly feel he's a good example of a weird eccentric cowboy i i love him <laughs> so much um uh, speaking of <laughs> animals within the western setting um i have to talk about oh, one of my all-time favorite movies which is rango yeah i can't believe i didn't see this one coming on oh I, i'm until surprised just now, i was like oh she's gonna talk about she's gonna drop rango on us <laughs> i was thinking earlier i was like i kind of want to start this off by asking you to guess what my top five westerns that i have written down are because you could definitely guess every single one of the things that's yeah. on my list i'm gonna should I do it right now um i mean we've already covered most of them i mean rango django yep, yep. brango that's not one flango <laughs> stop it flango <laughs> I love Duango. Duango, yeah. Oh, Duango. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, so... <laughs> no, Rango, um, when I saw that movie, it just knocked me off my feet. I was expecting yeah. nothing from that. I thought I was... Wait, I, which I think is appropriate, yes, honestly. Like I was enchanted by the animation <laughs> style, which looked weirdly photorealistic without being too creepy. It's, it's kind of unpleasant, but not... It I doesn't like cross it. a line. Yeah, yeah exactly. It wasn't yep. doing the thing where for a while uh, DreamWorks was trying to animate everything every pore in someone's yeah. <laughs> face like it did very good photorealistic semi cartoony characters and i think the lighting is beautiful in that it movie it is beautiful and it captures sort of like the desperation of the west oh, like yeah. everyone is like parched everyone's covered in dust at all times and always thirsty well exactly well no so these animal people they live in the town of dirt and they've created this whole cult around every sunday they turn on a water spigot and they're able to go and get some water and that's kind of their currency Kind of like when you turn on your faucet for your cat exactly and And they're like yes and they praise you and they're like oh my god you've made water from nothing um but no so like what you're describing with these characters designs a lot of them they just have empty bottles hanging off of their bodies yeah so they're always prepared to gather water in case they find some which is like such a cool little detail to like make this culture that they live in i agree like i think that's a really cool world building thing that we've definitely talked about on the show before is like you know different things are important to different cultures yeah you know and that, that if the most valuable thing possible to this culture is water how do you how do you show how valuable that is right, right. like how do you how do you contain water how do you control water mm-hmm. you know having a bunch of water bottles and jugs and things like that on you at all times is like you know, the, obviously the most important thing is if you see water, you better collect that water. And you can't just stick water in your pocket. Exactly. That is a really, really cool exploration. Sam, you just unintentionally quoted that movie. Did I? Yeah. No, there's a line <laughs> where uh, the mayor, this turtle, um, he says, it's like, Rango, you attribute divine power to me. How can I control the water? And if you control the water, you control everything. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good point. But if, no, just like if you control the spice, you exactly. control... Whatever control Dune, whatever Dune controls, yeah. The cheerleader control the world. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. We thank you for bringing it back. To, oh, yeah. that's my job. Um, but no, Rango is a character who I think fits amazingly well into this setting because he starts off as like this this theater kid nobody in his own little world with no friends and he's suddenly thrust into this harsh environment forced to survive and when he gets to this town and they all question him he has this moment where they ask him they're like who are you and he's like wait a minute I could be anybody and he invents this persona and he embodies it and he becomes the gunslinger that they would 
uh, that they will respect. Just like Revolver Ocelot. We exactly. have to let him be the cowboy that lives in his heart. Yes. You, know? <laughs> you, can't, you can't point a finger at someone and say, you're not a cowboy. If you want to be a cowboy, be a cowboy. Exactly. Or a cowgirl. Or a cowgirl. Or Cowfolk. Yeah, for all exactly. you out there. Thank you. All you hayseeds. Um, I've got a question for you, Piper. Yes, and uh, ask me. Um, John McClane. Is he a cowboy? John McClane. As in from... Uh, from Die Hard. Yeah, the best he, Christmas movie ever. Yeah. He says yippee he talks about Roy Rogers kind of a lot. Uh, uh, he's yeah. I'd he's say sort of he's... like the, he's like a lone gunslinger. Yes, I would. I would classify him enemies. as a cowboy. Yes, there I you would. Go. I've yes. done it. I've, You've done. I've, I've done it again. <laughs> Roll credits. Good night, everybody. <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Are we ready to make our own, or do we want to list off a few more of our faves? I, I kind of want to look. I literally have a list of like twenty cowboys here. We can just do lightning round. Just keep. Let's do lightning them, round. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris from Westworld, Man in Black. Obviously, classic black hat just terrible man Fabulous. um man with no name yeah. from the the good the bad and the ugly um, of course angel eyes yeah angel, angel eyes well that was my next one lee van cleef gotcha uh lee van cleef is the best bad guy cowboy looks oh, amazing he's, he's he looks phenomenal it's freaking he's banging the most rugged looking dude he's just sweaty all the time oh. he's got that awesome black and, oh, he's so charming he's always got that it's amazing. I I'm gonna wait, wait, quick, yeah. quick detour just yeah, to say. Tell me one. Westerns yeah. are a fabulous setting for one of my favorite type of people, which is just people with like I call them mashed potato faces, <laughs> like someone who's just been chewed up and spat out by the yeah. world, but they're still attractive somehow. Just, just like a giant wrinkle with features. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you took a if you took a hot person and you dried him up in the sun, yeah, a sweaty, tanned, yep. leathery wrinkle, and you a- you slap them a fabulous mustache on their face and make sure they have Absolutely. like some stubble coming out you know absolutely boom everyone looks like a, a freaking amazing person uh otherwise so speaking of weird wrinkles mm-hmm. mr cogburn oh of course mr. Cogburn. mr cogburn yeah ain't no qualm uh cogburn great um can you okay can we say john wayne most boring cowboy of all time. Um, you're gonna receive hate mail. I am that. gonna receive hate mail. Please at me about this. Least interesting cowboy. Classic cowboy. He's I will a, not shit on that man's he's grave. Just, uh, well, he's just a dad. Is all. He's more of a dad than he's a cowboy. He's <laughs> just a dad who's always like, "Why don't you go out and throw the football around instead of sitting in and playing video games?" Like that's what I think. Of I mean, I, think of John Wayne. <laughs> I would ask the same question. I will become that John Wayne oh, if fair. my kids watching video games all day. That's fair. Playing I video games and be like, get a fucking job. <laughs> I'm not I mean, paying for your college. Not wholly inappropriate, I guess, but uh, for for a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, just to criticize nerds for staying and doing nerd stuff, um, helping you, it puts hair in your chest, guys. <laughs> it makes you strong. Can we talk for a second about Catarwall? Catarwall. Catarwall. Piper, oh. I know you have some thoughts about Catarwall. Yeah, um, Five Goes West, one of my favorite westerns yeah. when I was a kid, one of my mm-hmm. first westerns as a mm-hmm. child. Um, John Cleese, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. John Cleese voicing him. Cat our wall. See, even even British people can be cowboys. What's well, the thing? And There's a cats lot at of the same time. There are a lot of British bad guys in westerns. Yeah, it's almost always some like Irish guy who came out to the west to escape his own persecution, That's a good point, and he's yeah. like, "I'm going to make this land mine." AKA the bad guy who's yeah. also new Dumbledore in uh, Open Range. Yes, in Open Range, of course. He's yeah. also kind of just like. You know, lame. <laughs> has, oh, like no real skills. And super kind lame. Of the worst. Yeah. Well, okay. There's oh, and I'm I'm so sorry. I can't think of the movie. There's a classic western that has the original Dumbledore in it, uh, and he plays like this. He's like talking his like talking to this big game about being this great guy, and then the our actual hero of the movie shows up and and you know 
It's really a shame that we can't think of the name of this actor or the name of this movie. Whatever. I'm sure this is very compelling radio. Send us mail. Tell <laughs> us send, about please it. Please send us mail if you know. You know who number. we're talking about. <laughs> who is that Dumbledore bad guy in the Western? Yes. Yes. Uh, and us. okay, so last one I want to talk about uh-huh. here. Uh, John Marston from uh, Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yes. Classic. Uh, I One of the things that first got me really into the Western genre and then it, like in turn into sort of cinema and like story analysis and storytelling and stuff was the first Red Dead Redemption game, uh, you know, playing that back in the day and seeing John Marston as just this like really soft-spoken, really simple man who didn't really like to take shit from anybody. You know, I, I think the best thing about that game is every single person that John Marston meets, he's like... I feel like you're wasting my time. I don't really care about this. I just want to get back to my family. Like, you know, he, like mm-hmm. I, he's just a simple man who likes to do work and he's very skilled and he just roams around just, you know, kind of solving problems. But he's he's so over everybody else's crap. He doesn't care about civilization or like, you know, fancy living or anything like that. He's a, a simple man, which well, I, think I think is at the heart of a lot of great yes, cowboy characters. That's one of the reasons yeah. why we love them so much. And I've said this to you many times, so mm. forgive me for being a a, a, a skipping record. I don't, um, but go on. So one of my favorite things about Westerns, and I see this in both like the, uh, in both the literature and in cinema, is that there are no pointless characters in a Western because yeah. the environment, it carves the people that live there. You have to be tough enough yeah. to live in this place. All the characters are so extreme. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone is capable. Everyone is tough. Everyone has grit. And if yeah. you don't, the West is going to chew you up and spit you out yeah. and you will soon be made an ass in front totally. of everyone. Yeah, totally. Anybody that's, you know, anybody that's like a John Marson is going to be like, what is the point of you? Why exactly. are you here? And I, <laughs> Why I are you wasting that. my time? Yeah. It, it creates a sort of, I think, kind of poetry sometimes yeah. in the fact that people, they only say what needs to be said. You know, you're not going to have a lot of flowery language floating around. The people, they kind of, they, they keep to themselves. But if they say something meaningful, it really means something. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. Absolutely. It's really cool. That's one thing that I've always liked about it. Uh, so any any last thoughts? Any other notable cow oh, yeah. poke you want to mention here before we jump in? I've got a couple more. Okay. Um, Django Unchained is one of my top five of course, favorite Django. films. That movie is absolutely incredible. Um, Dr. King Schultz, one of yes. my favorite characters. He is somebody who there's so much hinted at about his past. Um I believe that he was at some point a dentist. I want to know. Maybe. Yeah. You can choose to believe that or not. Right? I know. Like, I, I want to know how he went from that and being <laughs> an Austrian or German man to come to the American West, become this incredible gunslinger, bounty hunter, gentleman extraordinaire. He is like obviously the kind of pinnacle of my favorite character types. I, I also um, feel like that's so that type of character is the type of character that tarantino writes really well yes where it's a very specific concept mm-hmm. that has a very eccentric like un- like the the background is totally unnecessary to them but he gives it to them anyway yes. you know it it really doesn't matter that he probably used to be a dentist and he has you know he has so many affectations that have nothing to do with the story yeah but you know tarantino's gonna go on and spend 45 minutes of that four hour long movie to show you all of these weird affectations anyway and like so justify them good yeah which is one great. of my i'm gonna i'm gonna fangirl for a second <laughs> one of i think my favorite scenes that i've seen in the last 20 years uh which is most of the time i've been alive but <laughs> bear with me <laughs> One of my favorite scenes that I've seen in my entire life. Piper was born the same day that the first blockbuster was founded. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, No, but is the scene in Django Unchained where um, Dr. King and Django first enter that that bar Mm -hmm. in the town after um, uh, 
Schultz has like freed him from the chain gang. Yeah. And that guy, they, you know, they freak out the tavern owner. He runs <laughs> off to get the police. Meanwhile, like Schultz is like, well, uh, we'll just have to be our own bartenders. And it's the editing partially in the cinematography as oh, yeah. he goes and he operates the the draft handles to the like pour them their drinks. Precision. Oh, his, he yeah. fills it up just right. He scrapes off the foam. He taps it off. This That's the kind of thing where it says this guy, he knows how to do a lot of stuff yeah. and he knows how to do it all very well. Exactly. And it's so cool. That tells you so more cool. about that character than anything else you really see. That I know. Do, I think. In yes. A really interesting way. It really establishes yeah. him. Absolutely. We respect him right off the bat. Oh. My last thing on here that I have on my list, I just have to quick mention Cullen Bohannon from Hell on Wheels. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Your favorite. I love Cullen yeah. Bohannon. Classic. Doesn't really. Cullen Bohannon, great character. A character that I think is better than the show that he's in. You are not a Hell on Wheels fan. No, I'm not. <laughs> I am a Hell on Wheels fan. I like that yeah. show a lot. It's a very good AMC production, in my yeah. opinion. It, it is good. But I, I think all of this is kind of to say, you know, look, like we said, there are cowboys of every different stripe. You know, yeah. there are so many, you know, good and bad and ugly uh, cowboys. <laughs> you know, you, you can pull inspiration <laughs> for, thank you, You're for welcome. any type of character from a cowboy. You know, I, I think if you took any single one of these and said, I want to adapt this to a and d setting, mm-hmm. you would have a really interesting character on your hands. You know, like yeah, take, absolutely. take the man with no name and turn him into a ranger or something that mm-hmm. wanders the, the, the world doing that. I think that's a really interesting yeah. concept. Well, uh, and there's so many directions you can go with it. I said to you earlier today, we were chatting on Facebook and I was like, um, Aragorn is just a cowboy who was born yes exactly 300 years too early exactly sorry 2000 years too early so there we go our fan so we've covered every <laughs> genre now we've got the western the sci-fi the modern the the fantasy cowboys they can exist anywhere exactly so that gives us a really good framework i think to move into our actual creation uh phase of the show we're, yeah. we're gonna do the thing that you're here to listen to us do now I know. instead of just listening to us freak out about uh this about has been we love genre. the west yes exactly thanks for tuning in partners <laughs> um yeah uh let's go ahead and determine here which one of us is going to be white hat and which is going to be black hat Sam, and can you pull up a uh, coin flipping I app? can pull up, but I kind of assumed you would have this taken care of here already, so... Well, you're uh, our coin master. I think you flipped the last coin. No, you've always flipped the coins for us. Okay, I'm flipping... Well, I'm flipping a coin today. Let's that's say... That's for sure. Um, uh, I'll choose heads. Okay. <laughs> that and, was very difficult. Okay. Yeah. So if you're heads, you get black hat? Because I know you want black hat. I mean, yeah. yes. If we get heads, Piper gets black hat. If yes. we get tails, I get black hat. Cool. That's what decides flip, it. Flip the coin. And we got tails like at the black hat. Okay, so I'm white hat. You're white hat. Okay. okay, so I will be creating a black hat bad guy cowboy. Uh-huh. Uh, or, or cowgirl. Or cowgirl. I was kind of thinking about doing a cowgirl. That'd be really cool. Honestly. Um, or cow lady. <laughs> right? <laughs> Feminism. Uh, cow ma'am. <laughs> cow, cow ma'am. Cow ma'am. Cow marm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you get to do the white hat, you get to do the, the good guy, nice. and I get to do the uh, the black hat, yes. bad guy, bad girl. But as we've established, uh, yes. some of our, our good guys often have jaded pasts. A lot of them right? do, that's yeah. true. So we now also will have to go ahead and establish our prompts for yes. these in, in classic fashion. And I also will say uh, we, we do have kind of a different approach to our uh, modifiers stage of the episode this week as well we instead of changing up our characters with our modifiers we're actually going to present ourselves with some kind of classic cowboy situations that we could uh encounter mm-hmm. uh, after we create our characters so we'll we'll see some fun stories i think kind of arise out of that but uh for now piper have you yes. picked our prompts here yes. what do we got what are you gonna give us so i'm gonna give you yours first um the first okay. word generated me. uh was tasteful 
Ooh. So okay. somehow your character has to be based around that idea. All right. So what I'm thinking of immediately is I like the idea of a uh, evil, you know, maybe a, a, a rough and tumble cowboy who was offered a bunch of money by a. I mean, this is sort of like a classic starting point, right? Mm-hmm. A bad guy cowboy who was offered a bunch of money by like a rich, you know, landowner or oil baron or something to drive, you know, somebody out of town to 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 harass all the farmers so they want to leave so he can buy up their land or something like that, right? And in his, you know, experiences, like, you know, getting paid by this rich guy, he acquires all this wealth that previously he never had in his life and he mm-hmm. he gets this taste for the finer things in life and it's very important mm-hmm. to him to live a luxurious lifestyle so he's to obs- live deliciously to live deliciously nice. yeah we just watched the witch last night one of my favorite movies um <laughs> so you know for him now as a guy who kind of grew up grew up rough uh you know sleeping out in the woods mm-hmm. under the stars now it's so important for him to only stay in the finest beds and to drink the finest of whiskeys and to always you know lie with the most beautiful women and you know all all of these things i i think that's a really interesting it's again a very sort of cookie cutter start for a uh, a cowboy but i think that's a dramatic and interesting foundation i think so too i i think and it becomes kind of a weakness well exactly bit, that's yeah. what i was thinking is that it makes me think of um i'm actually thinking of hey uh a, a I wouldn't say this this movie is high quality, uh, but there is an MGM uh, like big studio musical that came out in like the kind of like 60s, 70s era, uh, and it was called The Unsinkable Molly Brown, okay. um, based on a true character who was on the Titanic, but it goes back into her kind of like humble, like backcountry roots and how she and her husband, they struck gold and then they like tried to establish themselves as these fine people, but they could never fit in because they were these backcountry people. Yeah, yeah. Your, um, your past will always follow you, sort of. Exactly. Yeah. But so that's kind Kind of what it's making me picture is I feel like to this guy's in his perception of himself or her perception of her, herself. Are you going with the guy? Yeah, I, th- I think I will go with the guy. Okay, cool. I was going to go with the girl. I had big aspirations, but I just you had big aspirations. Uh, 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 I I just pictured Lee Van Cleef immediately when I saw that. I cool. I just couldn't stop help but think of Lee Van Cleef smoking a really nice cigar and drinking like a really fine bottle of whiskey or something. So very I was like, nice. That this just feels too right for me. Very nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so he... I'll leave it to you to save the show from uh, misogyny. Hey, no worries. For... <laughs> well, maybe I'll do a guy too, but we'll just we'll find out. Um, but so. I feel as if he he surrounds himself in these fine things, but I think it's clear to the new money crowd, they see him in an instant and they know this is, or sorry, to the old money crowd, they see him as new money. Clearly he's like very gaudy, I would think, in the way that he presents himself. And they're like, this is, there's no, it's very untasteful in their opinion. I agree. I also feel that even not the, the people of money, I think... You know, he was probably a minor figure in whatever town he's operating. And people knew him as this kind of ruffian layabout kind of guy who, you know, now he's just has an elevated station, right? Mm-hmm. Beyond what he really deserves. The people in town probably also know him as this. They they will always see him as this rough and tumble, just kind of street urchin guy who isn't really worth his, worth a da- worth a darn. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, say it right. <laughs> yes, yeah, worth a darn. Uh, gosh, gosh darn it. Um, Dang it, Bobby. I, I, I think they'll always see him as you know what they've always seen him as. Right. They he will never actually achieve this 
you know, the, this sort of level of respect in their eyes. And I awesome. think that's his greatest drive is that the reason he does these things is because he says, I have to, I'm, I'm worth more than this. I have to elevate myself to become one of the rich and the, and the noble so that everyone will give me the respect that I deserve. But he will never get it. That's Absolutely. the tragedy of it. You know what I see him doing? And I'm definitely taking this from something I can't think of what it is at the moment. But I bet I can see him getting his posse together and they're mm-hmm. going to rob a train, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they succeed and they're like, all right, what'd we get? Is it gold? Is it money? And he's like, no, it's it's beautiful paintings and works of art because he's trying to make himself this classy oh, oh, person. Yes. So like, okay, so he's like a like a Western cat burglar, like maybe. art thief. Yeah. I actually, oh, I love the idea of him being like a Western art thief. That's yeah. pretty cool. He he gets like one job from a rich guy, so he mm-hmm. can afford to hire a posse. And he says, how do I make myself fit in with the upper? He got a taste of the upper crust. Yes. How do I fit in with them? I need to surround myself with the finest things. I need to have all of this like beautiful art. And he just lives in this little shanty, and he's he's got you know like but it's got a Van Gogh paintings and stuff yeah exactly like a crystal chandelier that he stole he always is like you know drinking a bottle of import maybe he doesn't drink whiskey maybe he only drinks like the finest imported absinthe or something from europe and things like that he he probably thinks so highly of himself because he's different from the other cowboys but really in his in his heart he's Mm -hmm. exactly like all of them i can also see in my mind you say that he was hired by this upper crust and he got a taste for it right i bet like when he was first kind of brought in by that guy or that individual that person was probably he was surrounded in this man's wealth he admired it and maybe even was humble before this person and the guy made fun of him and they all laughed at him there and he's like you're like you're gonna do this job and i'm gonna pay you but you're never gonna be here and that kind of like sparked yes that's what corrupted him yeah like he you know maybe he wasn't necessarily a good guy or anything but he saw that and he saw look this is what money can get me mm-hmm. all like this guy wouldn't make fun of me if i was rich like him exactly all that i my entire focus is getting to that point so yeah. that people will respect me i think that's a really cool origin awesome. because it's also really sympathetic right yeah. because he's not necessarily evil because there was something you know like wrong with him he's evil because there was sort of a system in place that put him in this position where he didn't have any other discourse but to take this job and the system turned him evil Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of cool yeah definitely cool all right all right so my word that i got um was the word cling 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 and so what this makes Mm -hmm. me think of actually the first thing i pictured was somebody clinging to like a cliffside as if they've just like fallen off of some high point. Oh, okay. So what I think my person's... Cl- Clayton Ravine. He nearly fell off of Clayton Ravine. Exactly. So what <laughs> I think my my person's backstory is, and I'm also going to go with a guy character. I think they're definitely going to... They started off as kind of this um, sort of like string bean sort of nobody. I think he was the youngest of many sons in this family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Probably always, you know, put down and put last amongst all of his brothers and I think I'm actually kind of getting. I'm. We always do this. We always take from the Bible. But now, like, the, the greatest work of fiction of all oh, time. Oh, right? I'm getting kind of like a, a Joseph Technicolor dream coat or whatever no, coat of jo- many colors. Joseph Technicolor dream cowboy hat. Exactly. Joseph, Joseph and the Technicolor dream bolo. I think. <laughs> um, I think his brothers have always kind of like pushed him out, and maybe you know, maybe. All those brothers, they all had the same mom, but then their mother died and he is like a half brother to them. And so his father remarried and he is the youngest, but also sort of this outcast. And that's kind of why they resent him. So I think at some point his father says to his to the brothers, they're like, take him hunting with you. Like he needs a chance to become a man and learn these skills. And so they're like, all right, we'll take him with us. And he goes and he's all excited to, you know, finally be included for once. But I think he's definitely he's not dumb enough to think, oh, it's just going to be hunky dory, like singing Kumbaya 
around the campfire. So he has his guard up. But I think maybe one of them kind of is nice enough to him on this trip that he lets his guard down just a little bit. Okay. And they decide to play some kind of prank on him and it goes too far. He ends up falling off his horse on this cliffside and he's like hanging on the edge of this ravine. And they're all kind of scared about what's just happened. It went too far. They didn't expect to actually get him into this situation. And they think if we pull him up and we help him out, he's going to tell our father that we did this. And that's no good. So let's just leave him here if he dies. Whoa. A white hat in a family full of black hats. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I think his mother was probably very pious and she taught him all of these good things. She's probably a good, like, you know, Christian woman. Uh, and she <laughs> she tried to... Yeah, good, good Christian upbringing. Yeah, she tried know? to instill in him forgiveness and that, you yeah. know, to see the light in everybody. Um, but so anyway, so his brothers leave him there and he's left hanging on this cliffside. And I think oh i don't want to go too cliche um do you, can you help me no, out so so i have a thought about he's this cl- right he's, so he's what, cliffhanger hanging on a cliff I, I think he i think he saves himself right yes but as he's saving himself maybe he like has a vision right he sees you know he sees the light and he says okay i survived for a reason you know my mother was pious i got that from her i survived so that i could do good and stop you know others from from falling into a situation like this so maybe he has this strong drive mm-hmm. to help other people but at the same time he he wants revenge against his family. So he says, like, my family put me in this situation. Maybe he's it, it's a little bit twisted that he's mm. like, I I I have to help people, I have to put them in this, but his weakness is that he can't he feels he could never go back to his family. He could never yes. help a member of his own family again. I definitely agree with that part. Yeah. Um I think what happens is he I think somebody needs to come by. Um some Definitely, like, some gunslinger, a, a, somebody who maybe, can train maybe him. Maybe a preacher or something comes exactly. by. Like, the gunslinging preacher. Ooh, okay, yeah. I'm going I'm to take... Another classic Western I'm going to take from yeah. one of my favorite tropes, a holy yeah. man who's good with the gun. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. uh, this guy finds him, pulls him up, helps him out, uh, takes him to his little camp, lets him share his fire and his baked beans that he's been cooking up. <laughs> of course. All, For, all cowboys love baked beans. You know, it's true. Yeah. Uh, and he's sitting there, and he says to him, son, he's like, you going to go home? You going to tell your father what happened? He's like, I don't want to go back there. Like, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter anyway my brothers would hate me um i'm not welcome there i've yeah. learned that much yeah. uh and he says well you know i've been in need of an assistant if you want to come with me you can tag along and i'll show you what i know and uh you can you can i'll, I'll provide you shelter i can't pay you son but yeah. if you give me your labor and you give me the sweat from your back and, and from your brow then you can travel with me and i'll teach you what i know interesting yeah so, okay so so what what is the profession of this person? Is he a preacher? You think? I think yes, he definitely has the preacher collar okay. and I think the big wide brimmed black hat. Okay. Uh, but he is a he's a good man. Cool. But he has reverted to the cloth after years of sin. So for some reason, what I'm thinking of here, I, I don't know why this is standing out to me so much, but I think this is a really interesting era where, um, you know, in in the late 1800s and early 1900s, where kind of the very end of the West, mm-hmm. right? That photography suddenly became really oh, that's in- cool. interesting and that, you know, maybe he was like a traveling photographer slash preacher or something. So he has this wagon that's like his dark room that he carries yeah. around. And so he's he teaches him how to use a gun and he teaches him how to use a camera, but also like maybe he uses that to fight bad guys. He says, OK, bad guy, I'm going to I'm going to I'm a reporter. I'm going to take your picture. Now stay here. Just hold still for 45 minutes while this picture exposes. And then while the bad guy's sitting there, he pulls out a gun and shoots him. Like okay, that's, that's like kind of a cool way to like fight, right? Your glass is almost empty. Yeah, hey. But cheers to cheers that. Cheers to that, right? Okay, I fucking love that idea. <laughs> I'm also going to add a bit of history into this to make it kind of more um, yeah. founded in something. Uh, so... 
because the Civil War always kind of is on the outskirts of these Western stories, yeah. um, the Civil War was a, a big time for photography. And yeah. I bet you've learned about this as well. Yeah. But um, so for a it, long... For anyone in the audience that doesn't know, I've been a wedding photographer for like 10 years. This is a thing that I actually know. About. Yes, Sam <laughs> yeah. is, a, is a wonderful I, like, photographer. taught a photography class for a while. But so um, <laughs> for a long time when newspapers uh, were covering the events of the war, these artists would go out and they would sketch scenes of the battlefield uh, to then bring back to the newspapers to like do an etching and then print and ink. Yes. So photography was just coming about in this time. And this is kind of what pushed uh, these like artists off to the side is that these people could come out and they could set up their cameras and take a photo. And in the time they had developed it, the artists would still be drawing. Exactly. And they could get exactly. back to their reporters and say, here's a photograph. So that could of- actually be an interesting way that he maybe he that's how he creates enemies you know yes. like all these artists what's more terrifying than that being hated by a, a rabid throng of artists well no so here's the other thing so one thing that was like very common and highly controversial that they found out later like a lot of historians and other people have kind of found this out is that it became rather common for um war photographers to go to a battlefield after you know the fighting was done and if they didn't like the scene they saw they would move the bodies oh yeah and they would reposition them and it made it hard for people to find their loved ones afterwards and it was considered very taboo and so i think maybe this guy that's part of his this pastor that's part of why he turned to the cloth he feels ashamed for the things he he did to do that he used to move the bodies and frame them cool oh yeah we did this together together, this is good okay cool Oh, man. I also want to give a shout out to uh, so a, a listener friend of ours. Uh, I, won't, I won't dox this guy, but our, our friend Zach, who uh, was giving me some grief about Piper doing more of the storytelling weightlifting. Oh. Here, take that, Zach. I told a cool story. <laughs> You tell many cool stories. We both do. Um, okay, so yes, yeah, so this is kind of the start of my guy. Him I deciding, like it a lot. Yeah, he's going to go with this pastor photographer gunman. I'm, <laughs> he's you know all what? of these things. I'm, also, I'm kind of mad that I didn't think about this for mine because I feel like this would be a really cool, a cool way for a bad guy to hide his nefarious deeds. It's very you know, cool. Saying he was a photographer, like... To, you know, again, the same way as, you know, ex- let's just picture expose for 45 minutes and then run in their house and steal all their jewels or something or run into the bank. That would be a cool way to distract people. And he keeps all his guns and all his stuff in his in his dark room uh, wagon that he carries around. What are you thinking, Piper? I got a great idea for this. What? So your guy who fancies himself a man about town. And it's all about these technologies. And he needs a portrait. Well, exactly. I think at some point these two have interacted, right? Definitely. And he, Def- he sees they, the they photographer. They would be rivals. Yes, They're rivals. exactly. Yeah. I think he is among many enemies that your guy is hunting down. One yeah. of them is this guy. Because he stood for a portrait, like, ready to have this, you know, fine, like, piece of technology, a photograph of himself. And our preacher pulled out a gun, tried to kill him, but your guy got, a- got away. Yes. So I think he, like, he got a bullet from him. Yeah, I, and- I think he definitely wounded. You know, maybe he... So this is another important thing of a, about an evil cowboy, right? Like mm-hmm. in the Wild West, you can have a debilitating, you know, you got shot in the arm and you can't lift your left arm or something yeah. like that. I think that's a really interesting thing. It's kind of like a, every James Bond villain has a weird deformity, right? right. Exactly. If you're a cool cowboy, you have to have some, you have to have a, you're like a pirate. You have to have a peg leg or you have to have a patch over your eye or you've got to have, you can't lift your arm for your hat or whatever. Exactly. Like so that. where did he shoot you? I want to say, 
Oh, so th- this would be kind of like a poetic thing is maybe you like shot me in the gut, right? Uh-huh. And hit my liver and now I can't drink anymore. Oh. And one of my favorite things was like drinking fine. Your fancy yeah. drinks. <laughs> maybe I'm just channeling myself too much here. In I this think, one. no, I think that would also make like a really cool, like spooky bad guy moment is that like he has like these goons, right? The, yeah. the, his posse. And I think when times are like, like real bad and he's getting real dark, he'll like unlock like a, a drawer in his desk and he'll pull out some scotch and he'll take a drink. They're like, Oh, totally. And they're like, boss, are you sure? Like, you know about your condition. And he'll drink and he'll be like, oh, and just yeah, start screaming. It, yeah. it like brings him to the brink of death, right? Exactly. You know? But he needs it just so for neat. that, like those moments of passion. That's when everyone knows, like, fuck, we better leave. I also think that's really interesting because, you know, when when you have really. So to to be in a position where you have to be totally straight edge and you're, you're sober all the time, and you can't drink like not to not to criticize people who don't drink or anything like that but i think that's the kind of trait that you see in like a psychopath sometimes right where uh, interesting bad guys often have rules that they follow to like the most meticulous and extreme degree right Mm -hmm. if if a bad guy says like no alcohol will never touch my lips Mm -hmm. like we know plenty of people who don't drink yeah that's like a normal thing but it's also a thing that's kind of like oh that's like an interesting trait for a bad guy that that they have this like code that they live by that's totally arbitrary but their entire will is bent towards living by this code that is like i i i will never drink again because i've lost this even though it's this thing that i love i like torture myself by not allowing myself to have this and once in a while he lets himself break and he goes on like a wild rampage every time he does he definitely like murders several people that's the barbarian archetype right that you go into like a berserk rage when you do that yeah it's so good okay um also uh i definitely think your dude should have some sort of like gold plated um flask always on his person oh absolutely for in case he if he ever is shot and he's about to die he can always just like drink some more of that good stuff before he goes no you know what i just thought of something even cooler what is it oh my god okay so your guy tried to shoot me yes but i had a flask in my pocket oh dang and it, blo- it ricocheted the bullet it blocked the bullet but it definitely right? like it's hurt still you in yeah it still like wounded me like knocked the wind out of me right and now maybe now he's like afraid of him or something maybe he has some kind of like a psychological he's like a he he always has to have the alcohol on him, but he's afraid to drink it because he's like, if, if my flask is empty and I don't have it on me, hey. I could get shot. That's like my armor. That's a good I, idea. There's a lot of different directions there's a lot of this things could go, here. I think. Sony. I, uh, we can leave it to our listeners to decide what's more interesting. I think the first idea is a little more interesting, but yeah. that's that's sort of the, you know. Oh, I mean, you maybe shot, there's you, all of these yeah. rumors around it, too, that the men spread around. Yeah, so there could be different knows. stories. Exactly. And that's another important thing, you know, behind a, a cowboy is there's kind of the mystery. There's a, the legend of the West. Yeah. You know, are you really what you portray yourself as or is it just the is it the legend bigger than the man i like the idea that for if this is a movie right because that's how i picture everything um every time your character enters a, a room or comes to a town people know and they fear him and he is unfazed by anybody yeah. but at some point in this movie our stories must cross and your guy will see this old pastor who's definitely like he's an old man in his I think mid to late 60s mm-hmm. which is pretty old for this time mm-hmm. period even um, and when he sees him your guy goes like pale oh he would he maybe he, he, he would kill the pastor and so your character is like you killed my mentor the guy who kind of saved me well i think okay so my, our, our my guys they're in the same town as your guy yeah we don't even know that you're there but yeah. you've seen the pastor who shot at you from across the room the man you fear yeah okay you leave it, you, that's my captain hook crocodile yeah exactly you leave you succumb to the drink you take 
you know, a sip and it because you haven't had it in a long time. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of makes you reckless and you go out and you just like murder my guy in cold blood. You get the the balls to just like we're just walking down the street. You just come up there and bang, you just shoot him dead. You're just putting that out there. Yeah, you're just dead. I think so. So But you die like kind of a martyr. Well, no. So the pastor dies. Oh, the yeah, the my white hat, his his apprentice who has been learning under him. He sees this happen. And now he his call of justice from his mother's upbringing and everything else. He's like, you just killed him out of nowhere. We did nothing. We were walking down the street. What's wrong with you? And you're and everyone's like, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who this is. You don't mess with this guy. Okay, so you know what? This actually does give me I think this gives me a cooler origin to this this rivalry. Right. So if if the way this escalates is that I go back and I, you know, I take something from you. Maybe I do have a flask in my pocket. You try to shoot me because you hear I'm a bad guy. And Wait, you, you mean what, my white hat guy? Yeah, your, your white hat guy. He tries to shoot me, right? It hits the flask in my pocket. And my guy, he's not upset that you shot at me. He's like, people shoot at me all the time. But you damaged my gold-plated flask, my beautiful, luxurious he would be that flask. Vain. He's so upset about this that this is like... He, he is obsessed with the idea now because you damaged this this artifact of my, you know, my nobility and mm-hmm. my wealth. Like yeah. that's all that I've ever aspired to is wealth. And you tried to take that from me yeah. by damaging this. So he he gets this in his head that he's like, I have to take something from you now. You, I mean, you already killed my, my it, master. It, well, so that's what I'm saying. That's why he goes and does it. Like that's why he goes and kills the master because last time but we saw- But my guy wouldn't just shoot at you for flask. no reason. Well, because he knew I was a bad guy. He I don't was think, trying to hunt no, me down I, as a bad guy. Uh, you're flipping it around. I'm gonna. No, but, but that's what I it preferred, was in the first place. No, no, I preferred much more the um, that you see the pastor who's previously shot at you. You go and you you drink. Yeah, yeah, you that, come back. You I'm kill my is, guy. That's what I'm saying. Is the pastor shot at me and he damaged my flask? Pastor, and that's why I wanted to get. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, okay. yeah, I thought yeah. you were saying my my apprentice shoots at you for no reason. No, no, no. no. The, the pastor shot at me, and that's why I went after him because I was like, you damaged my beautiful golden flask. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Clarified. We got it. We're all we're on the same page. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. All right. Back in back in action. Um, cool. So now my I think also um once once my my white hat decides to to pursue you and bring you to justice, Mm -hmm. which by the way, I think he spent a lot of time while traveling with his I'm just gonna call him his master. His master the pastor. (laughs) The pastor master, yeah. His pastor master. Master blaster. Um he he constantly has been asking him, he's like, You have these these skills, like why don't you take the law into your own hands? Because his pastor is now he's come to the mind, he's like, No, we find officers of the law, we find the sheriff or the deputy, and we we bring somebody into them. We don't kill them ourselves. Because he's done enough of that in his past of course and this young man is he hasn't quite accepted that yet it's again it's like the samurai that never draws his sword again right? exactly another parallel between the two exactly yeah. um so when you when your guy kills my master pastor, mm-hmm. my master pastor <laughs> <laughs> um my young the uh the, this young apprentice our our white hat gunslinger in training he fights for a long time with himself over whether or not he should try and just kill you, which I think at this point he's not ready yet. He's not trained yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, he's going to try in his power to do everything he can to capture you and bring you to 
the to justice. Yeah, okay. He wants you to hang for your crimes. I was thinking it's an, because I would have no qualms about shooting at him, right? Like if somebody tries to capture me, I'll be like, no, I'll just shoot you. Yeah. Right. That's that's makes it a, an interesting, dangerous game. And you would know that about me. Exactly. You know, my reputation would precede me that he's, you know, he's a madman who yeah. just kill anyone. Exactly. If you damage my flask. Well, I think <laughs> after you kill my master and you think nothing of of the young man who is with him, I now spend quite a long time studying you and trying to get close to you. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I'm I'm very much drawing now from uh, Gangs of New York in that sort of oh, sense. Oh, yes, that of maybe, course. Maybe my white hat even tries to become part of your posse yeah. and infiltrate your really gang. Cool. Yeah, may, well, maybe he says, hey, look, you guys are all famous. You should all have your photo taken, you know, so that you, your fame can live on. Well, your guy's never going to fall for the photo trick again. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. No, he's like, get away from time, me from but, that. Like, yeah, fuck that's no. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. No. I think my guy was pretty young still. Maybe he was like 15 when this happened, uh, when you killed uh, his master in the street. Okay, so he had like just maybe started working with him. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he'd been there for like a year or something. Long enough that he respected him and kind of cared for him. Yes, and saw him as this kind of like yeah. second father figure. Yeah. Um, so now he, I think, definitely trains for a while. I don't know how. I have to think about that. Okay, okay I so I do want to say, I, I think we should, one... Mm-hmm. give names to our characters yes two we should describe what we look like physically good idea and i i do want to give i think it's interesting as a bad guy like i said to have some kind of a, a deformity or a weakness or something mm-hmm. i if if it wasn't that i got shot in the liver and i can't drink anymore maybe it was that i took a bolt to the leg so i always walk with a limp i mean limps like, are pretty there, there should be something like that yeah, yeah exactly or i took a yeah it has to be that i either took a bolt to the arm and i can't lift my left arm really well or i took a bolt to the leg and so I'm, I'm like a little slow on the you know to run I, you know I'm, I'm better on a horse than I am on foot yeah or maybe I have an eye patch or something we also have to uh, yeah. describe our horses so yeah. I've already thought of a name for my guy I think I'm, I want him to be named Jonathan Breyer okay and I think that name, name probably exists out there somewhere but um, Jonathan Breyer his uh, when he was a young man on back on the ranch uh, they all called him Johnny Um, and now he's become Jonathan, which is his Christian name, which his pastor would have called him by. (laughs) Of course, yeah. He was was re-baptized under the name. And I think his final form will be when he becomes John as a full man. (laughs) Um, and then that's just what he's going to go by. He ascends to the level of John. He becomes a John. (laughs) Become the John you were meant to be. This is a John, you're a John, that's John. Yeah, no, he is the John. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So he's going to be John Breyer will be his final form. I, I sort of feel like, I like the idea that my guy, he probably, maybe he doesn't even have a family name, right? Because he, he kind of grew up on the streets, like mm-hmm. rough and tumble. Maybe he ran away from his family and he forgot his original name or something. And when he started running with other guys, I I kind of like the idea that they just gave him sort of a nickname that he has. Maybe he ate a lot of steaks, so they called him Angus or something like that. He ate a lot of I, steaks. I kind of like that. He was like, again, that was like one of his things that he was like obsessed with this luxury. Yeah. He would only eat like fine like Angus steaks. So people started calling him Angus. Nobody really knows what his real name, maybe even him, he doesn't remember. I bet he had some is. sort of like gross little grubby street name. He probably did, for yeah. For a while. His name was probably like, his name was probably like, uh, dirt finger or something like that you know what i mean like they had a weird little all the people in town who always he was trying to steal their diamonds all the time they're like ah oh, dirt fingers coming around again he's got dirty little fingers don't let him touch don't let him reach into your coin purse he's gonna steal all your doubloons or whatever but then he became you know. angus yeah exactly and then he became angus which is a cool. way more uh cool and noble and upper class name sure does he i would think that he would invent a uh, a last name for himself as well maybe, because yeah, maybe all he of, would. because all of the important 
families, they have a last name and that's the title they that's passed down. That's a good down. point. Yeah. Or like, you know, when people are like, when slaves are freed and they took the name like Freeman, Freeman. or something Exactly. Like that. yeah. That's what I was thinking. It yeah. has to be something obvious like that. Um, yeah, that's a good like, point. Uh, what is a name that like literally means murder guy money Angus murder guy um <laughs> oh okay uh what would be a name like like angus king or something yeah he could take the yeah, name king take the name king that or... would be quite righteous um quite righteous quite righteous i kind of like that let's let's do that for now unless we think of something better yeah we can just stick Ang- with angus, angus king. king i think is pretty cool awesome like, like the king of steaks cool mm. that I sounds th- like a Steak salesman. That's yeah. the guy who sells frozen steaks. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, as far as physical descriptions go, I think Jonathan Breyer, he needs to have like this like crop of flaming red hair, yeah. I think. Yeah, ooh, okay. Yeah, and that's something that, so he always keeps- Like kind of unkempt, like messy hair. Exactly. Yeah. I think he always has his hat on because um, he's kind of embarrassed about it. Yeah. But um, if he removes his hat, he has this like bright red hair. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I, I think Angus definitely is- Again, very put together, always like like long, greased back hair. Nice. Like very, very clean. He probably has kind of like shoulder length hair. Cool. That he hides under a hat at all, you know, a, a cool black hat with like a, maybe like a snakeskin band around the hat. Very nice. He wears. He always would have like a silver bolo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, again, obviously wears all black because he's the bad guy. He yeah. has to wear all black. But it's like the cleanest look. Now, it looks cool. Does he wear a duster or is he a three-piece suit kind of guy? I think he's more of a three-piece suit kind of guy. Because nice I think that Silver fits, watch chain. Yeah. And I think that fits more in with the rich kind of vibe that he wants. You know, the, nice. the the non-cowboys wear three-piece suits. Like only people who live out in the woods who have to hide from the rain and the sun and all the, all that wear dusters, right? Yeah. Um, I think that makes sense. And also like wrinkled, craggy, Beautiful. tanned. Like, yeah. Like, Gorgeous. I, I think he... I think he has very like heart. He looks like I'm. He's just Lee Van Cleef. He's just Lee Van Cleef. Oh, yeah, he's Angel Eyes. That's kind of what I picture. I love it. Basically, Jonathan Breyer. I think he, after in between him losing his uh, his pastor, um, and then also before he tries to infiltrate your group, I think maybe he joins up with some uh, like some cattle ranchers or something. Yeah. And so yeah. I think he would have kind of like that tanned um, longer coat sort of a look yeah. he's definitely sort of like a tan and and yellow and white sort of color scheme yeah I, some I, dark browns i picture him being like more practically dressed like yeah. he's dressed like a guy who does work out on the ranches and the fields and stuff because he has to to kind of make his way exactly sort of, yeah so that's where he learns his skills i think he's very yeah. good with a lasso cool. so if somebody was running from him he could definitely lasso him i like that um and he has his pastor's guns which i think have ivory handles Ooh, of course yeah Beautiful. And his pastor never used them, but they were always meticulously cleaned. Like he would keep them very nice. Yes. Yeah. And so he has, he's the first to fire these guns in a long time, but he's trained with them and he knows how to use them very well. Cool. 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 Yeah. I like it. So cool. Let, should we add in some of our, yeah, our scenarios? We've gone like quite a while here. Let's give ourselves our scenario prompts. So okay. we have some unique prompts that we've generated just for just for Westerns. this episode here so i'm gonna go ahead i got the first uh you know creation prompt i'll go ahead and give you the first story prompt great here. yes let's, let's go see ahead and, what what jonathan encounters yeah let's let's see what we get so what we got for you piper is oh this is interesting we got we got high noon high noon okay so so you gotta you gotta have a you know showdown a gunslinging showdown yes and i think this it, means- should it be with me 
no, we should wait. With anybody. Yeah, because... th- this should be your first exactly. showdown. Exactly. My... How does your first showdown go? Yes. Okay, so this is um, this is what's going to take him from the rancher uh, training yeah. lifestyle. This is where he becomes John Breyer. Yeah. Is, so this is after his pastor mentor died. After his pastor the mentor ma- died. The master pastor. Died. After he went to go work and learn and yeah. train with the, the yeah. rancheros. Yes. And he, he, you know, became a man more so. So Angus and John have a rivalry at this point, but we're both alive. The pastor master is dead. So I don't know if you Not know about me yet. Maybe I don't know about you, but like I know you about know about you. me. Definitely. Yes, and I've been yes. training and thinking about you for a very cool. long time. Oh, that I like that idea that you know, like when it's like an Infinity War or whatever, or in, in Endgame when yes, she's like, when you took everything Captain, from me. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, Scarlet Witch shows up to Thanos and is like, "I hate you so much," and he's like, "I just don't know who you are." <laughs> oh my god! Like that's such a cool interaction. I my think. so obviously that's been turned into a meme, and one of my all-time yeah, favorite totally. versions of that meme that I've ever seen is for her. It just says millennials, and she's like, "You've taken everything from me," and him it says boomers, but it says, <laughs> "How do I open this PDF?" And it's just amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, but yeah, so anyway. Very good use of that. <laughs> so I think, okay, here's here's what I got. Yeah. This is the scenario. Yeah. Boom. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So what turns Jonathan Breyer, the, the ranchero trainer, uh, into John Breyer, who's now going to finally, you know, pursue you. I like that John is the next level of a Jonathan. <laughs> I, think like, John, I think Jonathan is like a more like kind of friendly, fun, kind of innocent name. Well, no, here's the thing. I think, I mean, John is the most common, like, yeah. Anglo-Saxon name in the world. Yeah. But I think John is a very strong name. I yeah. love the name John, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Those are the staples. Yeah. Yeah. They're wonderful. So uh, when he becomes John, he is in this town. And he sees, I think, somebody who's got to be like a right-hand man of your yeah. guy. Yeah, And... His name is T-Bone. Angus and T-Bone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone in this in this group has to be named after steaks, after different cuts of meat from what a cow. What if just called, like, New York Flank? <laughs> yes, exactly. He's like, why do I got to be New York Flank? He's like, He's well, like, it's better than skirt steak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy over here is uh, pork butt. You yeah, know? we got chicken fried over <laughs> yeah. there, over yonder. Uh, <laughs> I, okay, honestly, actually, I would rather be pork butt than chicken fried for sure. But, chicken fried yeah, steak. Ch- chicken, chicken fried. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, chicken Friday is what they call the dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so no, <laughs> I I see uh, I see T Bone, uh, okay. and I think T Bone is he's causing trouble in this town, yeah, and I can't abide it. He's T Bone and people. Exactly, that's, right. that's, that's what, what he's doing. What and he so uh, no longer able to uh, to to stand on the side, uh, Jonathan he he grabs you like by the shoulder, flings you around, and he's he tells you to knock it off, or he tells this guy T Bone to knock yeah. it off. And he I think maybe like he he uses his fists first, right, or he oh. uses his ropes. Oh yeah, he. he- he he catches him on the rope and he knocks him to the ground and he kind of he he's not hogtied him but he kind of pulls him and he's like look man here's the thing yeah I definitely embarrassed the shit out of this yes. guy yeah, in exactly. front of a bunch of townsfolk that's so humiliating yes and so T Bone picks himself up dusts himself off and he's like high noon you and me like gunfight or whatever like be there whatever and he's like do you have your do you have any guns even and I like pull back my coat and there's yeah. these beautiful ivory handled that, pistols that would he'd be like you got guns or you all ropes boy like exactly. that's his thing he's like yes. he'd like look down at him like this. Dude, oh, okay, so, so cool. this is the first time that he's able to prove himself, and there's a huge, I think, moral like weighing of his like, should I do this? Should I not? Yeah. Um, but he does show up there, and I think he does try to like t- 
talk him down at first. But the guy, I think, he's definitely oh, drunk. T-Bone doesn't have... Yeah, T-Bone, T-Bone, T-Bone wants to murder. Yes. Well, he yeah. pulls out his gun and he just shoots off into the crowd. Um, and he doesn't hit anybody, but he could. And so that's when I pull my gun and I kill him. Because I'm oh, like, oh, okay, yeah. Because I'm like, he's if I don't do this, he's gonna just hurt somebody else, and so I kill him dead. So I like the idea too that this is how Angus hears about you. Is you know maybe if it had been a proper duel, if it had been like a you know three two one draw or whatever, he wouldn't have been so concerned because he would have said, look, I'm a a man of taste and refinement. These are the rules that we choose to live by. That would have been fine. But because I would see it as you killed me out of you killed my man out of turn. Yes, you know you didn't wait for draw. It was you know he he was just a bystander basically he wasn't doing anything wrong he was just firing his gun it, this is america you can fire guns whenever you want exactly you know? but the way anyone else would have seen it and especially from uh they would see him as a hero They're john's like, perspective yeah, exactly is yeah. that he your guy or t-bone was like you know shooting off his mouth yeah. shooting off his guns willy-nilly and he could have hurt somebody so i didn't bother to wait i just put him down and i mean that's like classic the rabid t-bone. dog that he is yeah like, like the rabid the rabid steak that he is exactly yeah. <laughs> that's classic t-bone honestly running, running his mouth and shooting guns classic t-bone that's why we love t-bone honestly that's why he that's how he rose to prominence in this gang honestly because it's just like he's a card exactly and i think you had a soft spot for t-bone i think i did have a soft spot for t-bone yeah yeah you saw a little bit of yourself in t-bone yeah absolutely that's why you made him your drunk number two i I can imagine many a night sitting around the fire sharing a can of beans with t-bone and giving him a (laughs) giving him a swig of the old absinthe and him going like What's this gross European shit? <laughs> but thinking it was hilarious that he didn't like it, you know? Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. So now, now you know about me and we got to meet. I like Okay, it. but first let's give you your situation. Yeah. So I got my situation, which is cattle wrestling. Oh, you got cattle wrestling. So I, I think this should be maybe the origin of his, you know, this was the, the thing that kind of turned him. This was the opportunity that was given to him by the rich landowner, right? He mm-hmm. said, okay, all of these ranchers live on my land. They've got all those cattle. I want to buy the land from them. The only thing that's keeping them there is, you know, cattle is wealth, right? If you have, if you got so many head of cattle, you are, you're set. You can do what you want. So you've got to get rid of that cattle. And that was just the, you know, he was hired to go and chase all the cattle off. And maybe he, you know, maybe he stole it for the landowner. Maybe he, maybe he stampeded the cattle off a cliff or something. So they fell in a ravine and they all died. Because that's sort of the, that's sort of the nuclear option, right? That's the, I think po- that would, the point of no return. You can't recover that. That would twist anybody up. Yeah. If you have any sort of compassion, and especially if this is early in his life and he must have been yeah. a young man, like maybe like that was the plan of these older guys that he was with. And they they chased these cows off yeah, this ravine. And then he was left standing there on the edge watching them like moaning and crying as they laid there with their broken limbs. Totally. I also, so I think this is also kind of I loved bringing an, it to a dark place. Thank you, Piper. <laughs> I think this is also an interesting thing that it um, it's sort of like he would have had to have done horrible things to survive before. Right. right. Growing, up in the, growing up on the streets, it wouldn't be, you know, unfamiliar to him to commit crimes and do mm-hmm. terrible things. But this is sort of like a new line for him. Well, it's and hurting I think, animals. Exactly. Th- this pushed him into a place where he he had never really considered going before mm-hmm. and i think that breaks something in him and that's definitely what pushes him over the line and you know maybe maybe and something goes wrong and the older men who organize this with like the angus name it does make sense with the angus name yes so he takes the name angus like a like the cattle that he killed oh! to remind himself of what turned him and to constantly use this as, as sort of reassurance that it's like i i reaffirm my my motives and my drive i did this and yeah. i need to own this action uh, and that's how I keep going. So here's my question for you. 
I think it would be very noble of Angus, as as he's looking down at these cows who didn't die on impact, would he pull out his gun and would he shoot down and kill them, those that are lying there suffering? No, you know what he does? He lets them moan? He turns and he kills the, the older men who orchestrated this. Cool. So he, because he says, look, this is a terrible thing that happened, but I can benefit more from this if they are dead. Well, so it, like he saw this happen, he snapped mm-hmm. and he said, okay, you know what? I'm going to reap all the glory for this. I'm not going to share. Th- I, I have to take this misery on alone. I'm going to also take on the rewards alone. I so love he, that. He kills the other two men, you know, the two older men who planned this. And he comes home alone and he said, hey, something went wrong. They died. It's all me. It's just me. And he gets yeah. all the money for exactly. it. Exactly. And that was sort of the seed for his, all, all of his, you know, that was how he built his kind of empire, basically, oh his posse. My. God. Yeah, I love this. I freaking love this. I love this. His his weird uh, Western cat burglar art thief empire that he built out of it. Oh, <laughs> out of it's this. so good. <laughs> okay, so um, yes or no, does uh, John successfully... No, I guess he wouldn't infiltrate your group because now you know about me. I've killed your yeah, second man. Yeah, now I know about him. So yeah. that plot line is out. Yeah, that plot now line has to get thrown out. we're just enemies and we have to face off somehow. Yeah. I feel like they probably run into each other from time to time you know like yeah. you're kind of always on the lookout for me john is always looking for angus mm-hmm. and angus kind of maybe doesn't really care about john that much you know he like he's mad that you killed my guy but he's not actively looking for you like if right. i see you i'm gonna shoot at you yeah right but i'm not on like a never-ending quest i don't think there was that right. much closeness well i in think my group you definitely don't remember me as the boy yeah. who was there with the pastor that you killed exactly but i do and i think there needs to be a couple of scenes in their in their story together oh, where i would realize that well yes when they yes yeah. i think i like this idea that you say that they've run into each other a couple of times and i think they've had their quarrels but maybe like something happens like weather something weather related forces them to kind of like have to be in like a tavern or a, a yes, saloon together of course. and they, they're they just take like shelter together exactly yeah. and they're they decide that this is like this is this is switzerland tonight we're not going to try and kill each other for but whatever tomorrow, reason yes all the rules are so this are, night know, they're they're locked in this place together and they drink together I love this and this is where we reveal a lot about one another yeah. and i think i te- i think john learns more about you and he sympathizes with you more and yeah. this is kind of where he's like okay i'm not going to try and kill this guy but i have to take you but in. i do want to try to arrest yeah. him but it's also there where i think you you start to maybe I would hope maybe respect Jonathan's journey a little more too from the stories we've told. And it's only at the very end that John, that John reveals he's like, my, my master was this man, the person that you killed. So here's what I kind of think, right? Like I, I think maybe there's like a horrible storm, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, maybe they're out looking for each other. They know that they're in the town, right? Maybe it's the uh, kind of and, thing and where like kind of, the water makes their guns not work. Th- that's it affects exactly the what I was going to say. Is yeah. like that you know they're they're like looking for each other, and the storm like puts them off, and they maybe they both lose their guns, so they're unarmed, yeah. right? So they can't really have a real fight, and they end up uh, they end up meeting each other, and they say, you know what? If we're going to do this, we have to do this right. Right? You know? Like you you killed my man, not in the right way. Like mm-hmm. I have a code of honor. If we're going to fight, we got to fight for real. You know, we have to pistols at dawn or you know whatever mm-hmm. high high noon. So they end up stranded out in the in the woods together. They find this cave and they say, "Tonight we're going to keep each other alive, mm-hmm. and tomorrow we are going to kill each other." Yes, I love that. Yeah, oh, that's it's so great. neat. Cool. Oh, and that's great. They share whether or not your your liver is full of lead, you're going to drink with this guy. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. And like you know, you would see like I grew up kind of rough and not respected, sort of the way you did. Your mm-hmm. family didn't really respect you know your mother loved you, but your brothers didn't really. Nobody really respected me. That's something we kind of bond on. Yeah, but that 
that origin took us in different trajectories basically this is oh this is one of my favorite things in these kind of like epic stories is i love the idea of you understanding and even caring for your enemy because i love i want there to be this kind of moment where like i have the choice to end you or you have the choice to end me and we're gonna like that's when we bring up these emotional things that we've learned about each other it's like can you do this to me though like we are we are the same we come from these same places i would even imagine like i I would imagine the storm subsides Mm -hmm. right one of us wakes up before the other and finds you know maybe we we dry off our gun or we dry out our shots or whatever so the gun works again we point the gun at the other sleeping one we kind of we put it away we go no i can't do that like i have to right you know there's this really tense dramatic moment and maybe they wake up you know maybe Mm -hmm. they they know that it happened and there's sort of this moment between them where they're like okay i get it like i owe you one yeah we're, we're going to go off and we are cementing we're going to do this right. So there is that. this like mutual respect. Yes. They run off. I think they need to have some kind of dialogue where they say like tonight has united us, but yeah. tomorrow is a new day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tomorrow will tear us apart. Exactly. Again. The next time I see you, I'm, I'm going to kill you. I like this so much. I think this is the <clears throat> most closely intertwined we've yeah. probably ever made a character other than other than maybe uh, uh, Leon and uh, the... Yes. Cat racist uh, the cat detective racist. or whatever. Yeah. I love it. Made. Um, okay, I cool. Like it a lot. Dang. Do we, should we leave it there? I think we should. I don't want to end this story. I don't want to leave this either. as something that people to be open. can build into something new if they want. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the the last, where we leave this is them walking away from this cave. They, they respect each other, but are renewed in their desire to, to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Or to bring one to justice yes, if you can but they know that they have to do this in like a, it has to be fair it can't be i snipe you from a thousand miles away or whatever like exactly. if i see you i'm gonna call you up and we're gonna say we're gonna do this right now right uh i think that's really neat i Just want respect. angus to take one of john's ivory pistoled guns or maybe oh, i like that he either so, takes no. it or i give it to you yes you give it to me and you say if you kill me you're gonna kill me with this exactly well i think they as they're talking about these nice things that he yeah. admires he notices his guns and he's he takes one off his belt and he lets him hold it and i think maybe he falls asleep with it in his hand and when he gets up in the morning he's like i've grown accustomed to this yeah. and john says keep, keep it, it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. And so now they're all oh, the the pair is divided. Cool, they, the oh. cool parallel of it too that they you know now they both have the same weapon that mm-hmm. you know they they have the same capacity to kill each other. They have a similar origin, right? And that 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 the the like the weapons are brothers, and yes. that in sort of a similar way they are brothers. Oh my god. Right? I freaking love it. I love it. I love it too. Dang. Okay. I think well, this is so great. This is um, this is a wonderful place to leave this at. They both walk away with guns from the same, you know, from the same family. Hell yeah. And they say when we meet again, one of us will die. One of us will reclaim the other's weapon and the guns will be reunited. So amazing. Okay, 20th Century Fox, you can find us at uh worldforgepod <laughs> yes. at gmail. Please Reach email us, us for the rights to this. Um, I already have casting ideas in mind. Um, exactly. great merchandise is going to be fabulous. That is interesting. Who would you cast as John um ask me later okay. i need to, i need to brainstorm on I'll that i'll ask one. you off air yeah, viewers listeners can decide exactly exactly yeah. maybe we'll put up a poll yeah i need a uh a nice soft angelic faced uh red-headed hero donald gleason no <laughs> he's every redhead and he's not nearly tough enough for this no he's not uh th- yeah there's there's a lot of people that could be casting these i don't really know we'll think about it later i won't make an attempt uh 
Let's go ahead and move on to the next segment of the show here, the rec room. Yeah, what have we got for this rec room? We've actually, I think we've got kind of a lot to talk about in this rec room here. I mean, we've pretty um, much just talked about the different movies we, we'd recommend, Yeah, we right? should have. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Everything we talked about at the, the top of the show, right? All the characters we talked about, all the movies we talked about are really, really great sources for, of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to create an interesting character for your next session, go look at just anyone we've talked about throughout this episode and yes. try and adapt that. I think that's a cool exercise to, yeah. to look at these characters and say, well, yeah, you know, it's a cow. It's it's Kembe from The Seven Samurai. Adapt mm-hmm. that to a typical fantasy setting or it's, you know, the, the angel man eyes no or the man with no name. Adapt that to a fantasy setting. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff we could do that. Absolutely. Do with that. Um, I would say, you know, go watch The Seven Samurai or go watch... Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Go watch Django Unchained. Go watch Django Unchained. There's so many incredible We're Westerns. probably going to watch Django Unchained tonight when we, we're done. We definitely are. Um, <laughs> I I would say uh, those would be kind of obvious recommendations. I want to make a recommendation that's going to be maybe a little less apparent mm-hmm. is uh, go and listen to uh, this wonderful artist, actually, that has kind of history with Piper and I. It's serious uh, history. Jose Gonzalez. It's um, the reason we started dating, actually. It, yeah, Jose Gonzalez is the reason that Piper and I started dating originally. <laughs> um, uh, a shared mutual uh, musical interest of ours is a, uh, he is a, a half Argentinian, half Swedish man who writes American Western folk music, Southwestern well, folk music. Yes, lots of music. Um such an interesting kind of story behind this guy, but he actually wrote uh, most of the music for the first Red Dead Redemption game. So uh, he has this really perfect kind of um, kind of desperate, sad, romantic, you know, American West sound to a lot of his music, especially a lot of his earlier music. Um, if you want to have something that'll put you in the mood to watch a Western, go and listen to uh, Far Away which is a song that he wrote for Red Dead Redemption. It's the song that plays the first time John Marston rides into Mexico. This song mm. slowly comes in, and it's this really, this, just this kind of epic feeling. Uh, I, I don't know, it sounds, it's a simple, the, the lyrics are kind of simple. It sounds like the kind of thing a cowboy could sing around a campfire lamenting, you know, what they have lost throughout their their time as a cowboy. Yeah. Um, it's it's a beautiful song. It's this kind of classical guitar sound. Jose Gonzalez, surprisingly, has written a lot of really cool stuff for, like, games and movies and things. He really has. He worked with um, Ben Stiller on one of my favorite movies as well, which is the... Um, the remake uh, of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Yes, The Secret Life yes. of Walter Mitty, which I didn't know he wrote all of that stuff for that yeah. movie, um, but he did, and it's beautiful, and it has one of my all-time favorite songs in it, yeah. uh, which is Stay Alive. He is an incredibly talented artist who I, I think is very good at, at, you know, kind of adapting his style to whatever people ask of him. You know, Rockstar was like, hey, guy, just just write a bunch of cowboy music, and he did it in really effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah, go and listen to Jose Gonzalez. Uh, he'll, he'll give some good cowboy vibes. He'll give some good inspiring vibes if you want to listen to the Walter Mitty stuff. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I think he'll put you in a good headspace. It's very for, good. For writing and creating and storytelling mm-hmm. and all that. Um, phenomenal. Yeah. So uh, those are our recommendations here. Yeah. Do you have anything else we want to talk about here tonight? Um, I have a think tank that actually came to mind um, when I posted today about how excited we were about doing uh, this episode about Westerns. Um, one of our good friends on Twitter, who's also within the um, DM community, uh, DJ or DM Quicksilver. Yes. Uh, a, a DM Quicksilver, a good friend. We've mentioned yes. him on the show before. Yeah. We, we love that guy. He, he quoted us 
saying that we had great ideas. And so thank yeah. you very much. We can't wait to see what they might inspire in you. Exactly. I I really love to see every time we come up with something on this show, he's like, oh, you inspired me to do homebrew stuff. You know, I, I feel confident enough to do homebrew or you, you gave me a really cool idea for this. We love that. That Aww. means so much it to us. It really does. It's it's so exciting and makes us kind of feel like what we're doing is validated. You know, we started this show, obviously, as just a, a fun kind of hobby for us. And it's really, really cool to hear that people actually enjoy it and are finding ways to use this. So to that note, mm-hmm. if you find interesting ways to use these characters, please reach out to us and let us know. We want to hear about it. You exactly. can, uh, you know, send us a message on Twitter at WorldForgePod. You can email us mm-hmm. at WorldForgePod at Gmail. Dot com. Uh, you can, you know, of course, find our show on all major podcast platforms at World Forge. But uh, definitely send us your your fan art, your fan mail, your uh, fan fiction. Exactly. Any of that would your be fan so prompts. Much fun. Your, yes. um, sometime soon ish, we are going to probably be doing a one shot actual play. Yeah. And you guys will need to determine what characters we do that with. I think it has to be characters we've created here. Absolutely. So if we are going to be doing uh, Leon and his animal racist cop friend <laughs> if we're going to be doing um john, john and, and angus, angus yeah. then who knows you have to tell us what you want yes. us to play and that's something i think we'll we'll be talking about more i think in the coming weeks probably in the new year is our expectation of when we want to start putting that together but we'll you know probably be doing kind of a cool collaboration with some of our you know some of our past guests and we've we've had a lot of really fun ideas for this from our listeners and from our you know from some of our guests and we're going to try and make this as as cool as possible and still fit it into the existing sort of pantheon that we've created for this show. So uh, we'll we'll be sure and keep you guys up to date as the plans for this evolve. And we'll let you know about all the ways in which you can contribute to, you know, how we how we kind of realize this. Because yeah. that's what we really want to do is engage you guys and, and help you guys to create and help inspire you. Because you guys inspire us so much. You give us so many good ideas for, for what to talk about on the show and, and how to create and build. So Yeah. yeah. So thanks partner so saddle up your horse and uh <laughs> as you ride off into the sunset think of us yes yes because we'll be thinking of you we will be so yeah thank you again listeners we will talk to you <laughs> next week goodbye shane uh <laughs> later bye <laughs> <laughs>